Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 337, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. A lot to dazzle and entertain you with as we will take some looks at the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the Dallas Cowboys who are now in the offseason. A lot of moving pieces for the Dallas Cowboys coming off the loss that ended their season couple of days back we'll have that for you Todd Archer is going to join us we'll get his thoughts and the latest from what he's hearing coming out of the star but before we get rolling you got to give Robert Greening a call and, and I've told you guys this many many times the stuff that they do behind the scenes the reason why you want a lawyer like Robert Greening and, and the green team working for you I don't know that a normal human being would have any idea how to go about getting what you need from the insurance companies and how to make sure this happens and that happens and these things that go on. Because when you get into a car accident or you've been injured on the premises of a business, you might be rushed to the hospital. You may have all these medical bills and these other things that you need taken care of. Well, that's why you need somebody going to bat for you, really fighting these insurance companies the way that Robert Greening does. You need to give them a call. Oh, no. I mean, we've told you this for a long time that when you're going through a process that Matt's described in detail for you guys over the last year and a half, two years, you'd be like, yo, what would be better than somebody with a flashlight lead me down this dark, scary path? And that's why whenever you're involved in something like Matt was or there's an incident at an apartment or a business or any place where you're not at the crib, you need to pick up the phone, give a greening law call at 972-934-8900. And ask for the green team. Say, hey, here's my situation. Here's my circumstance. What do you think? And they take you on for a client. It's been one heck of a day for you because they don't get paid unless you get paid, which means they've proved your case. Yep, that's exactly right, man. And again, that consultation's free. So what are you waiting for? Give them a call, 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. So the Cowboys season is over and it's been a couple of days of depression. It's been a couple of days of all the people that hate the Cowboys told you they suck. Same old Cowboys. I always love the cowgirls comment, which is hilarious to me. Everybody 
And fine. Like I, I've said, I was like, okay, you guys are right. What do you want me to say? Congratulations to you. You have, you've done it. You were right. The Cowboys have failed again. So now you got to move forward and it's going to be interesting to see. And we'll talk to Todd, Todd Archer coming up a little bit later on, but he tweeted out a list of the free agents that the Cowboys have. They've got two restricted free agents in Rico Dottle and Terrence Steele. They have 19 unrestricted free agents. And some of the names on the unrestricted, the UFA list, are interesting. Anthony Brown is a UFA this year. Noah Brown, who's been with the team for a while. CJ Goodwin, who obviously they love for special teams. A guy like Connor McGovern, who has been a rotational piece on your offensive line. Tony Pollard is probably the one that jumps out the most. Dalton Schultz, who they tagged this year, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Donovan Wilson. Now, there's others, but those are the ones that really kind of, to me, seem to jump out the most of, would you be able to re-sign any of the guys? Are you interested in re-signing any of those guys? Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if Anthony Brown has got like, mm-hmm. uh, but coming off that injury, man... That's why it's a dirty game. That's why you got to yeah. get money. When, when, for real, man. That's why you got to get paid when you can get paid. I try to find a spot for him because he's a competitor. Uh, but I wouldn't. I would not go into camp expecting to have him and Jordan Lewis both as my cornerbacks on the roster. I would hope that I've got guys who can beat them out because I don't want both of them aging, smaller players at the same time. Um, Conor McGregor. Conor McGovern. McGovern. <laughs> I, I did it right once. I'm not going to do it right twice. Connor McGovern, I'd let walk because you can find him, and I'm not paying whatever yeah. freight is for him. And that's really most of them. Tony Pollard, I'm putting the tag on. I'm sure. using Zeke's. I'm using Zeke's money to pay him. Uh, who else was on that list? I should have just gone through him as you said. Donovan him. Wilson. Ah, uh, dude, I'm gonna check the price. But that dude, I love the way he plays because he's a human missile. Uh, but I bet. He's going to cost me too much. You know, okay, check this out, Doc. Here's my early prediction. Okay. He's going wherever he's going wherever Dan Quinn is going. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dan Quinn is a guy, hey, go get, go pay that guy. Well, I, you know, go because I don't think he's worth big money, but he's like, yeah, go get he's like a three year whatever the mid range money for safeties is. Okay. Like he's not an he's not an elite safety, so and, you know, safeties get paid next to running backs. So he's probably three years, 24 million, something like that. He reminds me of a free agent from the Cowboys last year that when he got his contract, it blew me away because I, I just thought, okay, somebody probably. Jeff Heath? Not Jeff Heath. Like, <laughs> he, no, a dude that was on the team last year. I just couldn't resist. He's, I'm sorry. Cedric Wilson. Oh, see, I thought you were talking about D. Yeah. Cedric no, got three years. Yeah, he got three for 22. From Miami. Right, and, and then nine days later, they traded for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and, and like that was the number where I was like, okay, I was interested in bringing Cedric Wilson back. I'm not paying that dude over $7 million a year. Ooh, see, check this out. I made a mistake. Like, I thought the top safeties made about 10. You know what the top safeties make? I would say, what, 15? Nah, bro. Derwin James at 19, Mika Fitzpatrick at 18, Jamal oh. Adams at 17. Okay. So if I'm looking at him. Jordan Poyer's pretty good, right? Yeah. Micah Hyde. So he's probably in the uh I'd probably say he's probably going to end up in the nine, ten million dollar year range. Because the elite guys are making 
16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah. So that's more than I'm paying uh, Donovan Wilson because I can find another human missile. Yeah, so he's gone. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that. Plus, gonna... don't forget they got they got some they got like Marquise Bell and they got some young guys that they drafted or added, yeah. knowing that this was going to happen. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I mean, especially like a couple of years ago when they kind of went, you know, with, with, with and seeing that's the thing is. Obviously, when you look ahead and you say Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, and what's coming in, and then you draft Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright and Mukawamu, those are three DBs you're hoping that can turn out for you to replace those guys as they age out. You know, it, it, probably not happening now, but who knows? The fact that they seem to have hit on Deron Bland in the draft, I think, helps. Because now when you're moving forward, if you want to let Anthony Brown go, because Jordan Lewis is coming back, then you've got Diggs. You've got Jordan Lewis, hopefully healthy and, and can come back fine. Then you would have Deron Bland. And, and I mean, as wild as it may seem, you're probably looking at Mukawamu as your fourth cornerback right now. Man, you didn't even, you didn't even include second round pick boss man fat in your, in your rankings. I did not. No, I, 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 <laughs> I will tell you this. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they say, hey, Kelvin Joseph, you're our new CJ Goodwin and you're just going to be our special teams guy. Okay, let me tell you this. If you could do that at a high level, I'm cool with that. See, and that's that's what I'm saying. I know, hey, you're a second-round pick. You're not supposed to do this, but whatever. And if you can play special teams, and then you also have a guy that if you, in a pinch, need a cornerback, you can use Kelvin Joseph as, like, your fifth option at corner. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, If he's going to be a, quote, elite special teams guy. And he wasn't this year because he made too many mistakes. Right. And, and so that's the thing is it, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, look, there's always a lot of roster overhaul. There's some other guys that are out there that I'll be curious to see, you know, like the Luke Giffords, Jonathan Hankins, who served a purpose while he was here. Uh, Hankins, Luke Gifford, I'm probably not signing back unless, you yeah. know, Van Der Esch, Van Der Esch is the guy. Uh, be interesting to see, like, you know, I chastise my man, Michael Gelkin. Sometime recently, because he's writing his column about Van Der Esch. He's like, and he basically, I'm paraphrasing, he basically wrote, well, I have no idea why Van Der Esch got only a one-year deal for $2 million. Because he played like poop two years ago. I was like, have you this not year, watched them? <laughs> well, he just didn't want to say anything mean, bad, right. negative about it. But the reality is, he had a good year this year, and so he should get paid. His problem is he's got that uh, spinal condition that's uh, congenital with the narrow spinal stenosis, I think. Uh, with the narrowing of the spinal column, he's going to always have it. So it's just how much money do you want to pay for a guy whose career could literally end on any play? Yeah. And uh, he's only 26, though. So yeah, I, could, I, I, mean, I like him, and he plays hard, and he does all the stuff right. I would give him some – if I could get him for it, I'd three-year deal, four years if you just got to make the – needed to make the money work for whatever mid-level linebacker money is because he's a good player he had one great season but he's a good player yeah it's going to be more than two million dollars next year that's for sure yeah he's not signing that contract again somebody else will will offer him more than that i'd be interested in him at the right price as well dalton schultz is gone because i i have zero interest in working out a long-term deal with them and you're going to use the tag on pollard you're not going to tag him again 
And I think Jake Ferguson will be fine. Yeah, I think think they were pleasantly surprised by Hendershot this year. The fact that he even made the team and developed a little bit as an undrafted guy. I think you kind of move forward with, okay, Ferguson is the new Schultz and Hendershot's the new Ferguson. Yeah. In a sense. And then you go into the draft like they always do or undrafted free agency and they'll get a third tight end named whoever the hell it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the approach to take with that thing. But as we sit here today, what do you think their main need is in the draft? Like, because they're going to be drafting 27th overall. Do they need at that point of the draft to be looking for one of those first round type wide receivers like a Jordan Addison, a Jalen Hyatt, even Jackson Smith and Jigba, who didn't play barely at all this year for Ohio State? He's been projected to be there in the 20s. I would say at the 20s, you're going to take the best dude available. Um, let me see. That's not a bad spot for a receiver there. Um, I was trying to think. You need a corner. Uh, I think you can probably get a corner in the second round because the corner you get in the first round would probably be gone by 27. Or 20. Where are they drafting? 24? 27. 20, 27. Uh, I like wide receiver there. But uh, I've gotten old to be old school. I also like... Just the best. Just give me a dude that's going to play starters plays. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like the best player there just based on, and again, it's way early for mock drafts, but you look at them and whatnot. It feels like best player there will be a cornerback or a wide receiver, most likely for what that is at 27. And I would be happy with either one of those. I would players. as well. I, I, I also wonder if they will at some point – and not doing this in free agency or undrafted guys, but look at adding a running back in the mid-rounds. They got Tony Pollard in the fourth. They got DeMarco Murray back in the day in the third. And I wonder if there's a running back in the third or the fourth round in this draft that they will add to be like the new Zeke to Tony Pollard. You don't like Malik uh, Davis? I like Malik Davis. I, I don't... It, it, it is did he show enough that he can be what they want and maybe he didn't ask, get enough but, of an opportunity but he looked good when i saw him. like i never in whatever limited opportunities he had i never looked at him and go huh yeah what, what, what do he do with this guy um he looked fine when i saw him. um so maybe he's the third guy who plays because he'll play some special teams uh, but we ain't, we ain't worried about running backs you can find a running back um, I like receiver corner, but you need, and don't forget, I mean, you haven't forgotten, but free agency happens before all of this. Right. So yeah, some of this right. is you can, you can draft what you don't get. Um, I, they, you know, they should, I don't know, man, they need to add some playmakers around the quarterback. That's uh, my thing, take, which is why if, if it's equal, I'm going wide receiver in the first round. Right, so I mean, and like I said, you can acquire people a lot of different ways. You can plant, you can trade them, you can free agency, you can draft them. Um, but they need some playmakers, man, some big play guys. Uh, they just didn't have enough of them. I was I was trying to do a chart earlier today, looking up some stuff, and I couldn't find the numbers the way I wanted to find them. But that's something I'm gonna look up and we'll talk about in the next uh, week or so. But, and I'm not talking about CD Lamb and those guys, but I'm going to do a chart and a list of like big plays for all their offensive players. And I bet we'll see a huge discrepancy and it really will be. I mean, we watched the game so we could tell, but there really will be, you know, 
only two guys on here who made a bunch of plays, and the rest of the guys all, you know, there's a big gap between them. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure there and is. Then, and then I'll probably do some stuff where I look at – I'm trying to figure out. I don't want to do too much work. I'll look at some other teams and see if the gaps are similar, maybe playoff teams or good offenses or whatever and see how it breaks down. Yeah, and, and, and that's – I mean, what we have seen with the way that the college game has developed, we have seen that – I mean, name the wide receivers that have been drafted in the first round that make, I mean, an immediate impact. Yeah. And it doesn't you have to be – get the right guy. Right. It doesn't have to be Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson-level impact. I mean, there are wide receivers that can come in. We don't need that level of – I mean, hell, if you got that dude, kick ass. But it'll be interesting to see because – Hands down, if you're going to roll forth with Dak, you've got to put some pieces around this dude. And you've got to go back to where, hey, Dak, make the throw that's there. Stop trying to force it to CeeDee Lamb every time. Yeah, why do, and why do we, like, you know, Dan Orlowski was doing what he does today. And he does a good job. And today he was, he was being normal. He wasn't being outrageous. Oh, okay, nice. Um, so he draws up this play. And the play was the deep ball to CeeDee Lamb that was covered. Um, and one thing he didn't account for, he says, and what happened is T.Y. Hilton lined up on the left slot, ran a seam route, and was wide open. And Orlowski is screaming, how can Dak not see that? And I can tell you, not even being an offensive quarter for anything but a John Madden football team on EA Sports, mm-hmm. this is what happened. And ask me if I'm, if, uh, if I'm being, tell me if I'm being crazy, man. Okay. Uh, Pre-snap read, you go, Tampa 2. That means I got CD running the deep post on his fucking linebacker. That's six, motherfucker. Watch me dial this bitch up. I don't think he ever looked at T.Y. Hilton. Probably not. He said, we, we dreamed it. We got the right play against the exact right defense. We about to score. I got CD, who's one of the league leaders in 20-yard catches, Running a deep post on a linebacker. No way in the world a linebacker can run with him 50 yards downfield, except this one did. Yep. And so I think he never saw him. And I bet if you ask Dak, he would say, I locked in on CD pre-snap. He had a step. I was like, we finna go. And the final thing was, who do you think he trusts most on this roster, man? CD or any other receiver? Uh, CD. I mean, he goes to the line most times going, ah, CD's getting this ball. Yeah. And that was and obvious, and it was it was blatantly obvious against San Francisco. I mean, he targeted the hell out of him. Yeah, but that's what happens when you don't have other guys you trust. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're exactly right. You, you've got to find somebody. I think part of it is, and we talked about this. We might have mentioned it after the game. I think that there is something, because of that disconnect that we saw at times with some of the interceptions that he threw, I think by default he started forcing it to CD because he thought, well, at least CD will make a play on the ball for me. And some of these other guys, they're running the wrong routes, or I don't know if I trust them. If I don't, if, if, if it's not perfect, I don't know if I trust that they can make a play for me. And not that he's consciously thinking that in the moment, but once it, it kind of goes that way throughout the course of the season, you default to their CD ball to him. Oh, I think you're 100% right on that, bro. And that's, that's why, part, right. No, I think that's just part of your thought process. Yeah, and, and I think that's why when he lost a guy like Amari Cooper, because he knew Amari was going to be where he was supposed to be on every single route because Amari is one of the best route runners in the NFL. Right. And Michael Gallup and whoever the hell else, Noah Brown and all those guys are not. It's just, no. it's just how it is. Yeah, no shade. 
So we'll see moving forward, but that's that's our thoughts for now. We got to get to a trip around the block, though, because I got a couple things I want to throw out for you. But before we do that, we do need to tell you about Bruce Biltong. I really hope that you've had an opportunity to enjoy some delicious, as Jacques likes to say, succulent, perhaps savory Bruce Biltong. It's like <laughs> beef jerky, but it isn't. You don't have to chew it and chew it and chew it. It's not going to break your jaw. It is a fantastically healthy snack. As a matter of fact, for those of you changing your diet plans, I mentioned this at the beginning of the new year. We're a month into it now. I'm telling you, this is a healthy, no sugar, no artificial ingredient snack that you will enjoy that is extremely high in protein. No, nah, man, South African delight. They take it from the buttocks part of the animal. They dry it up, but not, not too much, just enough. And then they slice it into strips. Hence, you have biltong that is succulent, savory, delicious. Uh, the slab is great because you can kind of mm. slice it and dice it how you want it. The slice is fantastic. And y'all know, I like to work out. I like the guns. I'm oh, not yeah. going to lie about it. There you go. It's a gun show, baby. Bang, bang. But 30 grams of protein, two-ounce pouch, it's really hard to do better than that, bro. It is. And the best part is you can have it right now for 15% off. Offered to Jam Session listeners at bruisebiltong.com. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. Promo code J-A-M-15 for 15% off your order. So check him out and keep supporting him because he continues to support us, which is fantastic. And we appreciate him very much. Same with Freeway Tire Shop, man. And, and whether you need tires or an oil change or an inspection, you want to take your car somewhere where you trust the work that's being done and you know you're not getting ripped off because it's a fair price. That's why you take all your cars to Freeway Tire Shop because JR is that mechanic you can actually trust. Dude, the thing about JR is it's not just you trust him. The customer service is fantastic, man. Now, he learned this thing over there at Home Depot when he was in the management program. He brought it to Freeway Tire, and the customer service is exquisite. So, yeah, it's all cool that you can trust that he's going to give you a fair price and trust that um, he's going to stand behind his work and trust that he's going to diagnose what's wrong with your car and trust that he's going to use quality parts. Oh, that's fantastic. But when you throw that customer service on there, man, that extra tip, ah, magnifico, mwah, the chef's kiss right there, baby. That's why if your mechanic is not doing all that stuff, then you need to just drive five minutes up the road, up 35, get off at Commonwealth, and uh, go through the light, man. JR's on the right. He'll take care of you. You'll be glad you went. Trust me on this. Trust me. He's a bad man. It's easy, man. You can also, if you so choose, you can go online to schedule an appointment. Request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So we've got to take this trip around the block. And a couple of things. You sent me this article, man. I've heard a few people talking about this because I promise you this is true. A woman in Brazil... Now, obviously, this would be by C-section, of course. A woman in Brazil via C-section gave birth to a baby boy. You're like, oh, cool, a baby boy. Good for her. This baby, when it was born, two feet tall and weighed 16 pounds. How the hell is that possible? What kind of super sperm is that? I've never heard of a baby that tall ever in the history of ever. As a matter of fact, they set a new Brazilian record for the tallest baby ever born in, in Brazil. Two I mean, feet well, tall. 
Where do, where, where do you even go with that, bro? I mean, I don't know. That's They said that the hospital in which he was born is already looking for clothes sized for children nine months to a year for this newborn baby. It's unbelievable, bro. Unbelievable. I mean, that's... The biggest baby I'd ever heard of. That's the biggest baby I've ever heard of. Now, apparently, weight-wise... It is not the biggest baby. The world record holder for the largest baby ever born is 22 and a half pounds. Wow. And the the world record, how about this? I mean, we all know what a natural birth means, right? Woo! So ladies, the largest... Oh my God. The world record for the largest baby ever naturally born. Oh my God. 22 pounds. I'm just going to leave that alone. I mean... You know, I don't know. That's, they don't even make bowling balls like 22 pounds. You know, when you go to the bowling alley, I think they top out at like 18 pounds. That's impressive. That's like you gave birth to a bowling ball and then some. How about that? So they say that this baby who was born in Italy in 1955, the biggest baby ever born naturally, about the same size as a fully grown beagle. I mean, really, a beagle? I it mean, is, that's what we gotta. That's what we gotta use for it—a beagle. Oh my goodness gracious, man! Now, obviously, the one that was born that was slightly bigger than that, it, and this happened in 2005. The 22 and a half pound kid—they're like, oh yeah, C-section for you all the way. <laughs> you think? As you might imagine, because probably the lady in Italy was like, "What are you doing?" I don't even know Dude. when C-section was invented. Maybe that's the reason why they invented C-sections. Oh, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, bro, I think so. I mean, I, I'm not a birthing guru or expert by any stretch of the imagination, so I don't know. I, I have no clue how long C-sections have jumped around. Uh, I mean, you know, I only know a little bit, but yeah, that's just my guess, bro. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those things, you know, used to be everything was natural, man. That's what it was. Man, I can't imagine birthing a baby like that, though. Yeah, I'm out. I'm I'm gonna pass on that one. And 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 maybe for what I mean, it's obviously that it was named after some sort of Caesar or something. So maybe it goes way back further than we even realize. But you don't need to tweet at me and give me the history of this. By the way, okay? I'm just let, let, let's just <laughs> okay. Just holy crap! To be helpful. I'm gonna be honest with you. I am stunned at how early the first C-section was actually performed. Was it like 1850? Yeah, earlier than that, man. The first successful cesarean section performed in the United States took place in Virginia in 1794. I wouldn't want to be that person. Can you imagine that? You're like, oh, it's okay. Just bite down on this stick. (laughs) I mean, God. Well, you knew that's how it was going down. Oh, man. You knew that's how I was going to bite down on this stick or something like that. That's what I said. I wouldn't want it to be that person. I wouldn't right. want to have a baby that bad. It's like, bite down on this stick. Don't worry. You'll pass out when we're like an inch into the cut. So you'll be fine. I mean, my and God. How about, this, how about the sutures to clean it up? I, I know. Mean, I mean, how did that person survive? Dude. I mean, dude. golly, man. In World War II, people were dying from their injuries. And this was 1794? <laughs> Holy yes, crap. Exactly. All right. So the other thing, and I got a couple of things that I've been watching. The first, and I don't know how I missed this when it originally was a story. There is a documentary on Netflix. It's about an hour and 25 minutes long. And it is entitled Kai, the Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. 
dude. Yeah, I'm, I haven't seen that, but I saw that. And it is from this, apparently back in 2013, and I don't remember this at all. Back in February of 2013, this homeless hitchhiker named Kai, who was like this, like, I mean, he talks like, oh, yeah, man, you know, like, we were just, like, walking down the street, bro, and I saw this going on. So apparently he got in a car wreck, and the dude in the wreck was a, a white supremacist or something and was trying to kill this lady. And so Kai comes up behind him with the hatchet and hits him three times in the back of the head with it. Now, not the blade Jeez. part, the, the dole part. And so he goes viral because the guy interviewing him in the middle of the interview, he's like, hey, uh, can we talk to you? Like, what happened? What, what, how did this turn out? And he goes, he goes, all right, bro, before I say anything. And he looks right at the camera and he's like, if you're watching this, you are worth something. You're a good person and you can be forgiven for your mistakes. And just know that when you wake up, that somebody out there cares about you. Like, and then he turns back to the guy and just start interviews him about what happened. And he's like, so I saw this dude and I was like, smash, smash, smash. <laughs> I'm serious. And apparently he turned into a meme and he's all over the place. Jimmy Kimmel tracks him down. And so they have him on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Well, lo and behold, let, okay, keep in mind, I said the homeless hitchhiker. Right, right, right. So these people that are around him, they, they immediately, basically they realize this dude is insane. <laughs> and that like, because like this reality television producer who did some reality TV shows for MTV and like on E or whatever, she was like, oh, I knew we could have, this guy was going to be a star. Like he was just, he had it. He had this charisma. And I was sitting here going, okay, but do you realize how many people that have talent and might have that, that have zero drive, that have zero work ethic? That have, oh, yeah. And that's what this guy was. And, and so me and the lady are watching this and we're both looking at each other going, really? They think that dude can be a star? Like he can't even focus for 30 seconds. And, nah, man. And man, like you watch this story about this dude. It is perplexing. It is stunning because he got really famous really quick. I mean, Kimmel had him on his show. Right. And some of the stuff that he did, like they were like, we put him up at the Roosevelt Hotel and he walks in and is peeing on the sidewalk outside the Roosevelt Hotel. And we're like, what are you doing? And he's like, what, bro? <laughs> and it, it, like these types of things. And so I, I eventually, and I'm not breaking any news here. This was a big deal back in the day, apparently. Within three months, he goes from like this hero to being accused of murdering someone. Dude. What's wrong with this dude? How did all that take go down? You got it. It is, I mean, it is a wild, it really struck me more so than this guy. It struck me how many people recognized that this was going to be a huge story and that they could use it to launch themselves into a better level. I don't even know how to feel about that, bro. It is a wild ass story, man. And at the end, you'll have no doubt, I think, in your mind of whether he did or did not kill the person that he was accused of killing three months really? after he was lauded for being this random act of hero kindness guy. Random act of hero kindness guy. Yeah, because he's just like, oh, yeah, man, you know, we got to help out and like that type of thing. And you'll see things through this and people tell stories that were around them during that time period. They were like, man, that something was off in this dude. Like he just didn't give a shit and and would do whatever and even jimmy kimmel like you could see in this segment that they did like in jimmy kimmel's eyes like okay this dude's missing something here dude i mean that's bizarre it is but well, it, i don't even know it, what to 
I don't even know what to do with it. It's interesting. It is an interesting watch. I'll tell you that guy. The other thing, so HBO has debuted a new show called The Last of Us, which is based on a video game that apparently is very popular. Well, I had no interest in watching this because I, I, I loosely saw a little bit about it and I thought, great, it's another zombie show. <laughs> well, and I was like, I just, I, I don't want to watch another zombie show. Well, apparently it was the highest rated debut in HBO's history. Damn. And got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for the debut episode. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm missing something. Well, it's two episodes in, so we decided to check it out. And I got to tell you, it is awesome. Is it? What, what's the, I like to ask this, what's the best thing about it? It is very well done in a sense. It's acted very well. And the story for a post-apocalyptic story that does have an element of zombie to it, it actually makes sense and is more feasible than probably most of the these types of shows that I've ever seen. Oh, wow. And the reason is because the infection that causes these people to do this is a fungus that actually exists on Earth. Ah, okay. They gave you a little, real, a little realism. Yes, there, it is something called cordyceps, which is known as the zombie fungus. Really? It exists in the tropics, and it mostly affects insects like wasps and ants. Because I did a lot of reading on this because it's like, okay, I got to, is this like, this is real and it's a real thing. And what this fungus does, because keep in mind, a fungus is alive. I mean, it's a living thing like mushrooms and right. whatnot, right? Well, right. so what this fungus does is the spores infect ants and eventually it takes over the mind of the ant and controls its body and it'll break it away from its nest and from the other ants and it, may, it forces the ant to climb up to like the highest point that it can. And then it kills the ant and immediately starts sprouting out, out of it and releasing more sp spores from the highest point to try and infect more of... Jesus! Yeah, this is real. That, that is a real thing that happens in real life. That's crazy. And so the fact that they use this fungus... Now, obviously, in the show, they are doing it to where, okay, it has mutated and now it can infect humans... Which, right, based right. on my reading, all the scientists are like, it, it, it would be a little far-fetched to believe that could happen, but 130 million years from now, who knows what could happen. Damn. And so the fact that it's this, and the way that they do it, and, and that type of thing, and you see it, if you understand what the real zombie fungus is, then it actually makes sense that the people would behave this way, and that if humans could contract it, it would happen like this. Damn. And so, yeah, man, it is good. wild. It is... Yeah, and I mean, there are some intense scenes in the first episode because that they're showing when the outbreak first hits. And then they kind of jump back and forth, you know. We're only two episodes in, and they show a lot of where they're at now and how civilization has come and the people that have survived it and whatnot. And, right. you know, I mean, it, it's basically what like what the zombie fungus does in real life. Like, they're not using human beings. Like, they're not having to eat other humans. They're doing it, the fungus is. Because that's how it spreads, and like the fungus doesn't care that we're humans. It, it's trying to be it's, the yeah. whatever. It's just looking for a host. Right. It's just looking for a host to keep itself alive. And, and so it, the fact that it's a real thing that does this, I mean, it is wild, man. How many episodes? Two so far. It debuted a couple of weeks back, and so they release a new episode. I want to say every Sunday is when a new episode comes out. And it stars uh, Pedro Pascal, who is the dude who plays the Mandalorian. 
I was going to say, I've heard that name somewhere. Yeah, he's the main character. And then there's a young girl who's in it, Bella Ramsey, who apparently was on Game of Thrones or something, but I never watched that, so I'm not familiar with it. But, you know, it's... I still don't know how you watch good TV and then stumble across uh, Game of Thrones and check it out. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. It's one of my great regrets for you. I know. That's what everybody says. But... I'm in on this, and I didn't know, I was extremely hesitant going in, because I was like, man, I do not want to watch a freaking other zombie show, because <laughs> I bailed out on Walking Dead, because it just lost its realism, and it just got stupid, and man, th this is, I'll tell you right now, the first two episodes of this are better than anything The Walking Dead ever put out. Well, shoot, that, I mean, that's, that's real talk right there, bro. It is, man, I mean, it is w very well shot, I mean, it's an HBO show, and it's intense, and they do a really good job of of delving into like kind of where this this fungus is and that it's a real thing and all that type of stuff and it's wild man now you got me you got me into it now the way the the way it's set up it's got me going okay i need to peep that yeah yeah and and, and that's the thing like when i was reading about it i'm like oh my god this is real <laughs> you know they've got scientists that are out there yeah no okay it, it, it's like one scientist that i read in real life is sitting here saying that you know it, it's been around for a long time and that there's other versions of it that they don't quite understand but there's no reason to think that it could hurt humans because we're so much more complex and this is a fungus that's been around for 130 million years and it hasn't figured out how to infiltrate us yet so we should be okay if you say so, if right, you want us to take your word for it, like, okay, bro. And I mean, oh my God, it just would be like the wildest thing. I mean, no, how no, nuts no. is that? It's just like, oh yeah, so it uses the ant, controls the ant's mind, makes it do what it wants it to do, then immediately kills it and starts sprouting into a mushroom or whatever the hell it grows into. Nah, that's really bizarre, bro. It is. That it can, that's got a mind control thing, but it actually turns it into something else. Yes, it, it, it use, it's a host. It uses it as a host to survive on the like largest scale possible. I mean, it, it's Dang. trippy. For sure. Yeah, so The Last of Us, it might be worth checking out. All right, you ready to talk to Todd? Yeah. All right, let's do it. All right, here he is, our ESPN Cowboys insider, Todd Archer. And, Todd, we'll get into all the future, the season, what it all means. But your thoughts, the Cowboys season for the 27th year in a row ends in the divisional round. What do you take away from the loss in San Francisco? Uh, another missed opportunity. They had the game. They, they had a chance to win it. The, it. the Niners quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, didn't make any mistakes. The Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, did. And that was the difference in the game. And – when it came to making time to make key plays, the Niners made them and the Cowboys didn't. Devontae Turpin has a chance maybe for a kickoff return on one of them. He inexplicably runs into the kicker. Um, Trayvon Diggs has a chance for an interception. It's right in his belly after it's deflected by Anthony Barr, but maybe he didn't see the ball on time. The, the Niners score on a 91-yard drive, score touchdown on a 91-yard drive. Um, you know, Dak missed some throws. He was late – on his first interception to Gallup, Gallup could have done more, sure. The ball never should have gone there. On a stop route, you can't be late. The the second pick to to Diggs, he ha or not to Diggs, to Lamb, he has to see that cornerback coming down and, and being in position. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of the same old, same old. Um, I, I guess when I think of other, like, divi divisional games that they could have won or had opportunities, you know, it's probably not as 
No, it's as hurtful as the Des nine catch. It's as hurtful as um, Aaron Rodgers on third and 20, and it's as bad as the 07 uh, game at home against the Giants. Keeping with that theme, though, is this, is has Dak regressed? I mean, the whole season we talked about this, forcing passes, trying to do more than wasn't there. I mean, you talk about the throw to Gallup. How many times this year have we talked about, okay, well, you got to know better than to throw that pass. And we kept saying, if you keep doing it, it's going to bite you in the ass. And lo and behold, it's a playoff game, and he does it twice again. I don't know how you can say he didn't regress. It was 15 interceptions in 12 games in the regular season. It was two picks in the playoffs. Um, that's more than he's ever had. So, yeah, it's a regression. I mean, it it just is. And, you know, he's promised us time and time again that he's not going to make these mistakes, and he did, and he's promised us again that this will be as high as the interceptions ever get. Maybe it will, but, again, it's seven years in. This is the track record. Like, not not the 17 interceptions, but, you know, this is where he's gotten the Cowboys, the divisional round. What – why will it change in year eight? I, I mean, th- this is where they're going to be. Um, so you start have to look in, you have to start looking at all of the options because, honestly, his contract's up in two years. Are you really going to extend him out this year after – he tied for the league league in interceptions. I can't imagine you do that. So you have to start thinking about the future beyond Dak and then all the other money that you're going to have to pay the guys that you want to keep that you might not be able to keep because of the money you're playing to Dak. So it's just a, they're in this cycle of same thing over and over again. So what do we do with Dak? Because he's here for the next couple of years. Do you think it's well, about – uh, they can get out of it after next year. I'm sorry, after, I guess it's this year, technically. After the 2023 season, there's no guaranteed money on his contract in, in 24. That Theoretically, they could move on from him, but um, it's two different questions. What do I think the Cowboys will do? I think yeah. they'll just roll with it, to be honest with you. I don't think you'll, I don't think you'll see them draft a quarterback early in the draft. Um, maybe they do another – what was the dude's name? Danucci in the seventh round. But what good is that to you? I mean, you, well, if you to me, you have to start. Th- don't you have to start thinking about <clears throat> what what the Cowboys had in 2016? You have the high price quarterback. He gets hurt. Whatever. If it didn't happen for Romo, maybe they would have moved on from him after that season. And you got a guy, uh, the the rookie contract guy in Dak for four years, and see what happens. To me, I, I'm at a point where. If you have a quarterback who's not taking your team to an NFC title game or a Super Bowl in its first five years, the, the odds, the, the statistics will tell you it's not going to happen. It's just not. Like there, I know there are, there are quarterbacks who have done it, Matt Ryan and Peyton Manning and maybe Joe Flacco got in that debate in, in Baltimore. But more often than not, it's not going to happen. So are you better served drafting a young quarterback, surrounding that guy with really good talent, hey, did you see what the Cowboys did in 2016 and they won? It didn't get past the division round. I got you. But are the odds better that way than the than what they are doing now, paying a guy $40 million a year and not having the opportunity to add pieces around him through free agency and kind of having to hope that you're hitting on some in the draft? All right, so that, that leads to my question is, I, I thought they, they screwed him <clears throat> by asking him to be something he ain't never been, which is, be that guy that carries us because we don't have that much talent on offense. They got good players, but they don't have. They got two difference makers on offense, and one of them had to split time. 
Um, so I, I don't think he had a lot of weapons. It's not that he played good, but I think if you want him to play better, you got to go back to getting him better players. And then he's got more, more places to go with the ball. He's got more stuff like that. And I think this is just kind of an outlier year where he played like shit. Well, then don't pay him $40 million a year. Isn't that what it comes down to? I mean, if you're paying a guy that much money, at the time you spent it on him, he was going to be, what, the second or third highest paid quarterback in the game. Now I realize it's down to the top ten. You're you're asking that guy to lift all boats. That's the way it goes. Like, that's just the way it is. I mean, especially when you eat, eat up that much percentage of the cap. So don't operate out of fear at the quarterback position. Oh, we don't have one. What are we going to do? Be proactive and try and stay ahead of the game in, in some matter uh, of matter of respect or cause or whatever. Um, but if you're pay, you know, name the other guys that are making the much money as Dak is. They better make the guys around them better. That's what the quarterback is supposed to do. So I, I, I saw your column in, in the morning news after you say San Francisco was able to go out and get uh, Christian McCaffrey with a trade. Well, their cap percentage on the quarterback is different than the Cowboys. And the Cowboys had to restructure it, Dak's contract, just to get below what, what uh, the, the Niners have. And what was the other example you cited? There was another one in there. Uh, oh, Philadelphia went out and got Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Well, guess what? The quarterback's on a rookie contract. You can draft a receiver. What was Devontae Smith? Let's say he's a top 10 pick, somewhere around there. And you can go get A.J. Brown because you're, you're paying a second-round quarterback. So – there, there are ways, two different ways to, to get the job done. And the Cowboys have picked this way, hoping that the quarterback can lift all boats. He was asked to do that in 20, what was the Deontay Thompson, Allen Hearns year? 18? So they got yeah. the Amari, yeah, 2018. They, got, they went and got Amari yeah. Cooper. Right. Then it worked. And he still, he still was on his rookie contract, by the way, to go get the Amari Cooper yeah. trade. So now, I mean, it, it's. I think you I can think get, all of that tangible. Add, yeah. Good. No, no, you go ahead. No, you, sir. It's your guest in our home. All, all of Dak's intangibles are unbelievable. He, he's a great leader. Everybody in the room respects him. He works the hardest. He's the first one in. He's the last one out. He's got everything you want your quarterback to be. Sometimes you have to look at the tangible, too. And the split safety slash vision defense that McCarthy's talked about is something that gave him trouble in 2016 and something that gives him trouble in 2022. Like, there, there are certain elements. Is it the offense? Is it the play color? Is it all? I don't know, but we've seen, we've seen Dak play great. We've seen Dak play bad. Is it, what leads you to believe that he's going to play great to carry this team to a Super Bowl? And if you're paying a guy $40 bucks. He better lead, be the guy who plays great to lead your team to the Super Bowl, not just to be a, a the, the driver of the bus. I hate that analogy, but I couldn't think of another one off the top of my head. But be the, the guy who's actually in the limo and everybody else is driving him because he's the guy. That doesn't make sense, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, we have two questions. The first one is, because you should never ask two questions in the same sentence. The first question is, when you look at that, and I, I mentioned this, and I'm, I'm glad you read my column. Um, Romo stunk the year he had 28 TDs and 19 picks and led the league in picks. And he was like, I'm going to stop doing this. And in the last two years, he goes something like 65 TDs, 19 picks. Do you see a situation where Dak goes back and says, okay, 
I, I no longer do this. I rid myself of this bad habit. And he goes back to being the ball protector that he's been for basically most of his career. That's what the Cowboys have to hope happens, right? I mean, but well, yeah, I'm at, saying, do you think at, it's at what, a, co- yeah. at what cost? You know, at, at what cost does he does he become Brad Johnson? No, let's hope not. You know, that's how, no. I mean, the Bucks were able to no. win a Super Bowl that way because they had another world defense. Like, you don't want him to be Brad Johnson, obviously, and just check down no, Charlie you, and avoid mistakes and all that. No, you can be aggressive without making dumb throws, right? Uh, yeah, and like you yeah, said, we, so. we saw Romo become that guy. I mean, in his right. last so, how two years or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, but and here's the go ahead. No, I didn't hear what you said, Romo, about our. Oh, power. so so here's the other thing. Does he need a different voice in his ear? Because and you can keep Kellen Moore, but does he need a different quarterbacks so or whatever? Somebody who brings a different voice and makes him hear something different. And somebody who perhaps may challenge him more than his boy, who's been around so long that, you know, I don't know how much he gets challenged. But we don't know that he's not challenged either. So we're making an assumption no. that they don't challenge him. And these are the same no. guys in the year last year when he had 37 touchdowns and 10 picks. Yeah. No, that's why I said, does he so. need a different voice? Does he need to hear a different voice? And when I say challenge, it's not like cuss him out. It's just sometimes when you, when you work out with somebody new or something, you just it's just because you hear it differently. You respond differently. I, I would, to me, the, the somebody new is more of an emotional decision of that that you'd be making to. Well, you just got to make a change for a change's sake. Sometimes I guess that's the right way to go about it. I, I don't, I don't know if that's the right way to go about it. I mean, who would they? To me, their next offensive. If it's not Kellen Moore. The next offensive coordinator is Brian Schottenheimer, who's on the staff this year as a, the, in the Ben McAdoo role. I just looked it up. He was 12 years as a coordinator with three different teams. He was inside the top 10 in points and yards, I want to say, three or four times. Kellen Moore has been a court, the, the coordinator. Again, just apples apples stats. He's been the coordinator for four years. The Cowboys have been inside the top eight three out of his four years. In points and yards. The one year he wasn't is when Dak broke his ankle and they had four different starting quarterbacks that year. Um, so uh, sometimes it's a be careful what you wish for moment. Um, and if, if you do make that kind of move. So I, I don't know what the – this is one of those deals where whatever the Cowboys do, they will only get blamed for being wrong. They would not get credit for being right. Like if Kellen stays and Dak turns turns it around and, and plays the way he did in 2021 and the Cowboys get further in the playoffs, then he's like, oh, yeah, of course you would have kept Kellen. Why wouldn't he have done that? Because look at the the past history and that they had and, you know, you want that continuity, blah, 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 blah. But if they go and sink in 2023 without Kellen Moore, is anybody going to say, well, they should have kept Kellen Moore? I doubt it. Yeah, in and- – you know, you know, Todd, to your point, talking about these young quarterbacks and some of the moves, I mean, that, it, it is true. I mean, even go back to when the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. I mean, Josh Allen just completed the final year of his low-level cap hits, and he's about to jump into that 40-plus range on the Bills cap every year moving forward. It, it, he did an eight-year deal, by the way. Right, right. And like the Mahomes thing where <laughs> it, it, it like works for forever into perpetuity and allows him a lot of flexibility and whatnot. But right. 
in the Cowboys situation with where they're at, if you feel like, okay, we're not going to do this through the draft and address this, Dak's going to be our quarterback for whatever the foreseeable future is. Do you then have to try and flip it around saying, okay, all the money is going to the quarterback position. We've got to go out and get first and second round wide receivers, tight end, running back, what have you, to try and load up with as much affordable young talent around him rather than going out and getting an A.J. Brown, a Stephon Diggs or whatever. Yeah, and again, like the free agency thing, let's forget free agency because we know what the Cowboys are going to do there. They're not going to sign any big-name guys that everybody wants them to go get that they'll be linked to. They're going to sign their own guys, and they got plenty of guys they have to sign. C.D. Lamb, he's, to me, priority number one for the Cowboys this offseason, not next year when they can put the fifth-year option left on his deal. It's now. you got to start staggering some of these contracts because you can sign Diggs this offseason. You can sign Parsons after next season. So you got to start staggering this stuff. I, I'm doing what I can to keep C.D. Lamb, and, and then I'm, I, I, I you know, I'm sure as hell hoping that I'm going to land another receiver early in the draft that can do more than Jalen Tobert did this year as a third-round pick and hope that Michael Gallup can somehow regain the form that he had before he got hurt. Like, there are only so many draft picks you have, right? I mean, and I can't see the Cowboys bundling a bunch of picks and moving up because they need all those picks to supplement the roster because it's such a high-end, high-cost roster at the top. So, Again, they're in this spin cycle of you better be right on everything you do. They've been right enough to win 24 games the last two years and not get past the division around of the playoffs. Do you think there's hope for Jalen Tobert? A very short answer. Uh, I, I don't know, and they don't know. There's my short answer. <laughs> I don't know how you could possibly – I mean, the guy didn't catch what he catch one pass. I don't know. Like, he, how, didn't that, he was barely active. Then that means no to me. Uh you know, it's so not my job gonna... to have hope. I'm quoting John Jock Taylor. That's true. You got daggone right. Uh, so defensively, <laughs> what do you like about what they got uh, coming back? And uh, can they maintain this level if Dan Quinn is gone? That's two questions, uh, and I should be penalized for that. You have to like where they are defensively. Yes, there are some issues, but it, but let's look at it here. Like, are they going to have enough money to bring Donovan Wilson back? I think he's going to earn a bigger payday than people actually think. He he played really really well. Was a huge difference maker for this team, even if his name wasn't Micah Parsons or Trayvon Diggs or Demarcus Lawrence. Um, you still got to find some kind of face eater in the middle. John Hankins did a good job in the playoff run. You bring him back; he's thirty-something years old. Can you hope Bohanna and that knee kind of gets better in the offseason? I don't know. Cornerback Anthony Brown's coming off the torn Achilles is in a free agent. Jordan Lewis had a Liz Frank injury that might prevent him from playing again. You need a cornerback. You like Deron Bland, but you know, you, you got to go get another one. So they're, they're as good as the defense was. There's Van Der Esch. If they were to lose Van Der Esch, who takes his spot? It's not Damone Clark. It's not Jabril Cox. The Cowboys are showing us what they think of Jabril Cox, that he's just a special teams guy, that he's not a guy that you can – they played Damone Clark before they played uh, Jabril Cox this year. And, and Damone Clark wasn't supposed to play at all because of a neck injury. So they're, they're telling you something there. So linebacker is another issue. Now, what was the Quinn part of that one, Zawatsky? Give me that one again. If Dan Quinn leaves, how do you like it? <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know who the coordinator is. Joe Witt, secondary coach. He didn't coach on the field this year because of a health issue that training camp. So I, I thought he would be the guy. 
and he's worked with McCarthy forever, and he he's a decorated coach and has that. But I, I don't know. Um, George Edwards, okay, he's developed uh, Micah. He, Van Rush has bounced back these last few years. He's been a coordinator. Well, he's out of contract, uh, so there's a question there. Who I don't know outside the building what their connections are with anybody as to who you would go get, but this would be a good job for a defense for someone defensively to come here because they can look at the talent and what the Cowboys have. And namely when I'm saying that it's Micah Parsons, everybody would want to coach that guy and, and tie their boat to him. What do you think they're going to end up doing about Zeke? I mean, obviously they're not carrying him forward with this contract, but do you think that they, they had seen enough where they still want him to be around? Cause you look at his last four games and if that's what Zeke's going to be, it, I don't know even at what, cheap price you would want a guy who who can do two yards of carry right. with um i'm gonna use jock's line from 2004 when the cowboys signed eddie george uh eddie george would take two million dollars from the cowboys but he wasn't going to take two million dollars from the titans to remain there mm. i don't know where the number has to be for the cowboys to say okay we want zeke back and i don't know if the cowboys would want to make that kind of offer to insult Zeke, if I'm being honest. Like, they didn't make an offer to DeMarcus Ware when, when they let him go because they didn't want to insult him. Um, did they make one to Des Bryant? Did they? No, they didn't make one to Des Bryant. Yeah, same reason. They were ready to, right. So, up until a month ago, I thought, there were, I thought the Cowboys would do the DeMarcus Lawrence deal with Zeke. Pay cut him, but give him some guaranteed money to stay, and, and everything would be fine and, and good. Now I don't know if that's the case of what because of what you've seen. Um, that was a precipitous fall for Zeke. Yeah, he's scoring touchdowns, but there were a couple runs in that San Francisco game. Was like, ah, he's got a little bit of hole, and it's a four-yard run. Yeah. Ah, he's got a little bit of hole. It's a two-yard run. So I haven't asked about his health and where it was by the end of the year. I know to me he took a shot in the Tennessee game on his knee, and that to me is when it started to look this way. Um, I don't know if yeah, that timing works out with the yards per carry average. Yeah, I think it does, actually. It wasn't the same guy we saw earlier in the season. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, so then you yeah. now, oh, and oh, by the way, Tony Pollard's a free agent. You can tag yeah. him. He just had surgery today. Um, he, you should be healthy and good for training camp and all that good stuff. Can you reach a long-term deal with him? What's the right number for him? Are you going to overpay the running back position again the way you did on Zeke? You know, what lessons do the Cowboys have to learn? There's so much stuff that, that – that goes on with with that spot. That I, I good luck. That's why they get paid the big bucks. No, so by the way, add, add running back to the draft to need. Right. But they, they got like seven. They got six picks. I think we we've, we can come up with fifteen draft needs. <laughs> I mean, how, you know, aside from trading future draft picks, which I don't know is what they want to do. I don't know how you fill all these holes through the draft. No, uh, I was I was talking about one of those runs. You're talking about Zeke, man. He went off. Right tackle, cut it up. It was a hole there, and he got tripped up. And I was like, "Wow, I think it's a wrap." Yeah. Just off of that one run, I was just like, "Yeah," because uh, I was and, and look, he's a great teammate. Great teammate. He works hard. He does what he's supposed to do. All that kind of stuff, right? But at some point, yeah. it's just you have to make. You'd rather cut the bait a year too early than a year too late uh, on some of these guys. Yeah. As much as much as you like him, and as much as you want to honor him, and as as much as he's done, you know, to, to help this franchise, I realize they've not had the ultimate success. But, um, you know, sometimes you just need to move on and make a hard decision. Nah, that's what you got to do, bro. And it's they they hard as hell. 
Yeah, they are. It is Jerry seemed pretty adamant after the game that Mike McCarthy is going to be fine in all this. But, I mean, is the belief still that Mike McCarthy is the right guy to get them over this hump that they brought him in to get them over to where Jason Garrett couldn't get past? Here you go. I, this is my great answer I'm going to get. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? let's be honest. I mean, it's been two years. Yeah. They, they lost the playoff game at home in the, in the first round. You can say they made a step in his in this year because they won a playoff game on the road for the first time in 30 years, and they made it to the division round. Again, we've said it all along. He was hired to do what Jason Garrett didn't, and Jerry thought he was handing him a ready-made team to compete for NFC championships and Super Bowls. So, you know, I, I don't. I, I believe Mike is. He shouldn't. His job shouldn't be in jeopardy. But can he get these, this team past this round? Until you do it. I don't know how you can pick it until the Cowboys beat Tom Brady in the, in the playoffs. I was not going to beat pick them to beat Tom Brady, but now that they have, okay, you cross that bridge and until they get to the NFC championship game, I'm not going to pick them to go to the NFC championship game. Yeah. You know, I have too many years of seeing it with my own eyes to say, this is what they are. And this is what they'll be until you, until you show otherwise, I'm going to say, this is what you are. And, I, but I think Mike has done a good job. They went four and one with their backup quarterback. We forget all that now, right? Yeah. Who? No one thought they were going to win four games with Cooper Rush as their, as their quarterback. We all thought the season was over. He deserves kudos for that. Um, the, the, he he mi- mixed his offense that is we, we've said the only playmakers really are Pollard and Lamb. There's thirty points a game. I don't. It was something like last year in my mind where they hung half half a hundred at the end of the year and, and made those numbers look in, that, that inflated those numbers. This has been, this was a good offense when Dak came back from the thumb injury. Um, he deserves credit for that. He deserves credit for moving on from, from Mike Nolan and hiring Dan Quinn. Um, he's done a lot of good things, but again, he's in the same position this February, January, February, as he was in last January, February. He's going to enter training camp next year on the hot seat. He better be the right guy. He da 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 da. The only way that, the only way I see him not having the job is if Jerry says, "I don't want to lose Dan Quinn." That's the only. That's the only thing I can potentially foresee changing Jerry's answer that he gave after the game. That's it. No, I mean, if he doesn't want to lose Dan Quinn, I hadn't given any thought to that, but because I think McCarthy's done a good job. And I was not a McCarthy fan when he showed up. But I hadn't thought about that. You think that what percentage would you give that if you were thinking about Jerry's head? Uh, I hate I hate you. I don't know. Um, I would think like seven and a half percent. Yeah, I would say I, I, the number five first popped in my head at five percent. Um, but because a little bit of what we talked about. Okay, who, who takes Dan Quinn's job? If he were to leave, I don't know who that guy is. Um, so that creates a, a, a hole where if he becomes the head coach, he can still have his hand in, obviously on the defense and, and still do all that stuff. But uh, look, the, the Sean Payton stuff is makes for good talk show stuff. I don't think there's any reality in that. Um, and I don't know if there's another coach that you would say, well, you got to go get that guy over Mike McCarthy, who the guy has won 24 games the last few years. So to me, like I said, the only thing I can see changing Jerry's mind 
is if he says, I don't want to lose Dan Quinn. That's it. Dan Quinn's really good, bro. I think the best part about Dan Quinn is there's two parts. Clearly he's a leader and he gets the guys to play for him and he, and he knows what, how to play, make the player knows what makes them tick. He, he, he gets them. Um, but I, you saw something, especially in the Tampa game where they kind of ch- changed who they were. And I'm not talking about, Oh, they put Mukwamu in. You saw them play more two deep safeties against Brady. And some of that's probably because they knew the Bucks couldn't run the ball, but you right. saw more, uh, schemable, schematic, whatever the word is, changes from Dan Quinn the last two weeks in the playoffs, in my mind, maybe I'm wrong, and the other football nerds can tell me I'm an idiot, than just rolling out there and this is what we do. This is how we play. Um, right. I, I give him a lot of credit for obviously changing who he was in Atlanta and Seattle as the three deep, single high, all that kind of stuff, and, and mixing and matching his coverages more. And he did a, he played a big part in the overhaul of what this Cowboys defense looks like too athletically with the, with the size and the speed and the athleticism over what was here in 2020. Um, so he's, he's done a really good job and I, I'm curious to see how much he really wants to leave here. I think it has to be the right head coaching job for him to leave. I don't know what job that is because I've not asked him or anybody around Dan about what that would be, but Denver seems to be the one that would make the most sense, provided you can get something out of Russell Wilson, and he has a past history with Russell in Seattle. All right, Todd Archer, man, great stuff. Enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate you. You got it, guys. All right, see you. See you. All right, there he is. That is ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys insider Todd Archer. A lot to say, and, and it's we've been having these conversations now. I mean, we spent a lot of the podcast talking about it today. We spent the entire podcast for an hour and whatever it was after the game. We will continue to talk about this because we all want the answers. We want answers, and it, it's, I don't know, you almost feel like, well, if you just keep throwing it out there and talking about it, then maybe we can somehow find a way to make ourselves feel better about a franchise that <laughs> is the definition of insanity. Well, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, man. A lot of truth to it. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of truth to it. But I thought it was a weird. That was a weird deal because they felt they felt like a better. I thought last year's team had more talent, but this year's team felt like a better team in terms of how they hung up against San Francisco, and so they lost the game, obviously, no doubt. But I saw some progress there, and it's the kind of progress, subtle, nuanced progress that makes you say, okay. I could see them winning 11 next year or 12 next year and breaking through because they're getting a little closer. But that's just me having a nuanced look from afar. Yeah, and that's – it just feels that way every year. You get so close and you see there are are chunks of talent on this team. And knowing that you had your opportunities. I mean, the opportunities were there. Yeah, bro. And that's where it drives you nuts to sit here and say – you know, the fact that you have a quarterback like a Dak Prescott and then you have a quarterback like a Brock Purdy, you know, what, what Todd was talking about in that conversation, you you wonder, because we haven't seen it happen yet, and now, again, is Pat Mahomes going to do it this year? Because if Pat Mahomes does it this year, then he'll be the first quarterback that's made, uh, that's on one of these monster contracts that has won a Super Bowl. Because when he won his first Super Bowl, he was still on his rookie deal. Joe Burrow's on his rookie deal. Jalen Hurts is on his rookie deal. Obviously, Brock Purdy 
is on his rookie deal. And you, you, you do kind of wonder that. I mean, is that the model, unless you're Tom Brady, is that the model where, okay, hit on a quarterback, build around him for five years, it allows you to spend some extra money on some, and not necessarily even free agents, but it allows you to make some of those moves if you so need to via a trade, or maybe it is a one or a two free agent type guy. And then you continue to build around with some of the, the draft picks that you hit on and pay those guys to stick around. Right. You, you wonder, is that the new model in the NFL where if you don't win with the quarterback in the first five years, that it's just not going to happen for you? Because we haven't seen somebody do that. Well, we've had this conversation before. When you broke it down right then, it sounded a little differently. I can't figure out why, but I heard it when I thought about it when you said something, but it feels a little differently. So that's an interesting thought, man, in terms of do you just have to you just have to change your whole approach and go, well, we didn't get it done in the first five reset. I think it's just hard to change your mind like that, because if your guy is good, you go, well, all we need is this and this and we're there. Yeah, and, and, and oh, I f- hold up! I remember what I was going to say. Something about New England. You said about Tom Brady. But, but the thing of it is, and it's funny because my boy was uh, Zeus and I were talking about it at the gym this morning. In the sense that, who else did New England ever pay? You know what I mean? Like I don't remember New England paying anybody, like big money. Yeah, they never really did because they would always and get so, rid of guys. I mean, maybe once or right. twice. And I say that in this sense, okay? One of the reasons why, well, nobody's ever wanted when they get when the quarterback got the big money is because you also got a good team. So you got a big money right. receiver, or you got a big money left tackle, or you got a big money defensive end, or you know, you got other big money parts. And if we think back to uh, New England, I think you're right. Where Belichick was like, "I'm a genius on defense, so I don't have to spend a bunch of money." And because we got the best quarterback ever, he can make Jacques and Matt look like pro bowlers, so we don't have to spend no money on receivers. We spent draft picks, but we ain't spending no money. And I think they really spent it on – they ain't never had no running back you gave a fuck about. I'm sorry, that you cared about. Yeah. Um, And so if you think about it, bro, they spent some money on some offensive linemen to keep their quarterback healthy. But I don't think New England spent big money on anybody. Maybe they gave Ty Law a contract. Yeah, at some point, I'm trying to remember the cornerback that they had that was really good in recent years. But see, they like Stefan Gilmore. Yes, they let him, him thank go. you. Yeah. They let him go rather than pay him. Yeah. So that, that might be why they're the outlier because they never had to pay anybody else. Or they chose not to pay anybody else for the reason we just said. You got the greatest coach and the greatest player. They make up uh, and allow, you know, guys like Matt and Jock to uh, win championships. Yeah, so Gilmore, because remember, they brought him in when they won their last Super Bowl. He was there for four years. He signed a five-year, $65 million contract. And Gilmore came in, and because the, the last Super Bowl the Patriots won was in 2018, and he was a part of that team. And then after the, he did those four years in, in New England, they were like, all right, well, we're done with you. Yeah. And, and he moved on. But I, he's like the only guy I could think of that in like free agency that they – went out yeah. and gave a big money contract to. And I think that's a big deal because most teams have four or five or six guys like that when it's all said and done. Right. And uh, they, I really don't think they ever had any. <laughs> I mean, you know, they made, like we said, Gilmore, maybe they had Brady and one other or Brady and a couple others, but they weren't built like most other teams. No, they weren't. And it, they're a bunch of good players, but not, a, but not very many great players. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things where, 
You know what, the Cowboys, because the way the Cowboys do it, and I have no problem with the way they do it, they hit on guys in the draft, and then they want to pay their homegrown talent because they know them. But you can only do that to a certain extent. And when one of those homegrown talents is a a $45 million cap hit, that makes it tough. Unless it's a guy, like, like the Chiefs may be about to find this out with Patrick Mahomes. He was a $35 million cap hit this year. In 2023, that's when his new money really kicks in. And it's a $47 million cap hit in 2023, which is why they couldn't also work on the new deal for Tyree Kill. And they got rid of him, but they're like, well, we have Patrick Mahomes. And as long as we have Mahomes and Kelsey, we can probably just find some guys to put around him and he'll figure out how to get him the ball because he's that level of dude. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, that's it, probably. It, sorry, that, I was just going to say, that's why I, when we were talking with Todd, I brought up Josh Allen. Josh Allen's five years into this thing. He has one appearance in the AFC title game. And I, I, I was talking about this the other day. I wonder if we are about to start looking at Josh Allen, how most Cowboys fans look at Dak Prescott. Now, a lot of people look, listen to, oh, whatever, Josh Allen's way better. Okay, he's got four playoff wins. He's been to an AFC title game. But he's five years into his career. He led the NFL in turnovers this year. He just threw three picks and two playoff games for Buffalo. And now, this year, he had a $16 million cap hit. His cap hit in 2023 is $40 million. So it's, oh, yeah, you're about to hit it. It's going to start constricting around Buffalo to where, okay, we didn't win when we had this dude for $16 million or less for five years, and now it's jumping up to forty. And then in 2025, he has a $52 million cap hit. And like everybody else or those teams – they're not getting it just because of Josh. They're going to have to pay some other guys who have played well. Exactly. And so then it becomes, okay, did we miss our window? Yeah, unless you're Joe Burrow. Right. And, and he's open as long as I'm playing, baby. But he ain't got that $40 million deal either. Exactly. He's still playing on his rookie deal. And because then if you're the Bengals, do you sit here and go, all right, we need Joe Burrow. We need Jamar Chase. Both of those dudes are going to be, if not the highest paid at their positions, pretty damn close. Can we then build a team quality enough where we can do this with two of our guys taking up what is that going to be 75 million dollar cap hit between them yeah 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 so now this is a i mean this is a this is why you got to win when you had a chance to win and that's why you feel badly about the cowboys because you're going to look at it and go they played san francisco toe-to-toe they stopped the running and they won the game defensively in terms of they stopped everything they had to do to give the offense a chance to win or get a team a chance to win. And so if you get that performance from the defense, 19 points, bruh, you just, I mean, you got to win that one. Um, and they didn't. And so it goes down as another blown opportunity, another really good team mm-hmm. with a missed opportunity. And you only get so many before you got to reset because guys have gotten older, retired, that core of players is gone. Right, and, and that's what's going to be really interesting as the Cowboys move forward and talking to Archer about that. you got to extend CD. You're going to want to extend Diggs. Micah Parsons at some point very well may be the highest-paid defensive player in football. Will be. Okay, so that, those are three guys right there in addition to a quarterback that if you re-sign him is going to cost you a minimum $40 million a year again. And then, oh, by the way, what about offensive line when Tyler Smith, if he continues to develop, comes up? And, you know, just some of these other guys that you have to have that are pieces of what you've built that is kind of like your mini core that takes up the vast majority and then that's why you've got to hit on the draft and that's where I think it really hurts and you saw it this year the fact that Jalen Tolbert was a complete miss now not that you needed him to be much 
but you needed him to be a third round wide receiver who could at least get on the field and offer you something. And when you miss on guys like that in the draft in the first few rounds, it kind of screws you because you let an Amari Cooper walk thinking Gallup will come along. We got a third round wide receiver with speed that we like that can stretch the field. And if those things don't hit, you're screwed. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt about that. But the good thing about them is they draft so well that they can make it up in some other spots where they where they didn't anticipate it. But your your point is, is well taken. And I was looking up something because you wanted Tolbert to do what? Gallup did as a rookie. Yeah, exactly. 30, 30, 33 catches, 500 yards, two touchdowns. Yep. Boom. You straight. We good. Because yeah. you ain't supposed to be the guy. Correct. Uh, you're just supposed to be a contributor. Help us out, bro. Um, and so, you know, you are uh, – that's what you're looking for. Uh, but they got to do something, man, to get some more playmakers. And I, the good thing is this. You can find receivers anywhere and everywhere. And I trust the – I mean – don't okay. I know where you're going with this. I trust Will McClay and the Cowboy Scouting, even though we just got through talking about Jalen Tobin. Sure, feels and seems like a bust, right? Uh, but they do such a good job, man. Like they got Donovan Wilson in the sixth round, mm-hmm. and the more you think about it, that's why they're not going to pay him. They're going to be like, "You're a really good player, but we found you in the sixth round. We'll go find somebody else like you in the sixth round." Yeah, look, and, and to be honest, I mean, if just a quick you look know. at the 2022 draft class, class, Tyler Smith in round one, dude's a starter. Sam Williams in round two, showed some flashes, had four sacks this year. Jake Ferguson in round four, very likely is your starting tight end next year. Deron Bland in, in round five might be your starting slot cornerback next year. So the fact that they missed on Jalen Tolbert in the third round, I get it, but when you look at the draft class as an entirety, I mean, they've got four dudes And if Damone Clark is going to be a developer, they've got five dudes out of that class that are going to be key pieces of what this thing is moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that's a hell of a draft, really. It is. I mean, if you got five guys who can basically start for you. No, that's a hell of a draft. Like, you know, Connor uh, McGovern is a good pick because he's been a contributor for his four years here. Yeah, he was a third round pick. He was the 90th guy selected. Right. You'd like for him to be good enough to get another deal, but he didn't. He gave you, you know, he's hurt for a year and a half. Otherwise, he'd have probably given you this earlier. But he turned into a solid pick. Right. And if you can have, if you're getting draft classes like the one they had this past year, yes, you'd love to hit on your third round pick. But man, if you're drafting five guys who can be key contributors for you, because basically I just named three starters and probably two rotational dudes. I'm taking it. Right. That's that. That's phenomenal. Well, we will be back again. We'll have another episode dropping for you on Friday. We'll take a look ahead to the conference title games. You know, the ones that don't include the Cowboys. And we'll have our thoughts on who we think might be going to the Super Bowl coming up in February. Everybody have a great couple of of days and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.